So the time is fast spent. It's a Monday night and you're on about nothing crew here again. Hello guys, welcome to another episode of Yonaba Nothing Podcast. Um, it feels like it's going to be a bumper packed episode because we have a lot to discuss and Bolish came here with evil intentions this night. I don't even need anybody to tell me. I can sense it all over his voice. But before we even go into the sport and everything that we're that is trending, Bolish, it seems like all the arguments we used to hear sometimes on Twitter, like okay, ah, cannot fight over a man, cannot fight over a man. If you have money, they will fight over you because we're hearing on the streets that some people are beating themselves up because of one boys pay. And I'm wondering, ah, the bodies are after this money thing again. Have you, is it that the standards are different when you have money? Uh, that's the way life has been from the, the, the beginning of time. If you have money, if you have status. Sometimes uh, you might have the money, appearance of money. That's why you see you see some guys that go all the way to fake. So mm-hmm. when you say, appearance uh, money, yeah. you have to say, okay, hello? Uh, yeah, go on, okay. Hey. I said, so you see some people say, oh, uh, why do people? Why do people like showing fake life? Fake life, because sometimes even the appearance of money is enough to you know attract women like bees. So it, it's I think it's just a age long um situation where we find ourselves in. So I, I, I it's not it's not surprising. It's not funny to me. It's not new. I think it's something that I probably expected, but. I, I I don't think there's anything special about it. It's just it's just the fact of of life. If you have money or you appear to have money or you have some kind of influence, they'll flock to you. You can you, you, you can you can do a, a test and see how many women guys get before they have money and how many women they can get after they have money. It's not um, there's any special discussion or special one to do about it. If you have money. Things, things will open up quicker for you. I think Elementary can relate to that, but I don't know whether the bodies are still fighting over him or not. Or no, I mean, he's fully retired. I'm a, I'm a man of God now. I, I only do this of the Spirit. I only abide by the rules, the rules of God. My my whole life, involvement, actions, processes have been handed on to God. So I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. Uh, we don't know whether how rich Kule is with us, so we don't know how rich he is. If they are, whether it's the money that does this for him, or maybe it's the words, it's his social capitalism words that, that has the baddest fighting over him on Twitter, busy on Instagram this time around. Kule, I think, I think one of the things I pride myself in is not like knowing about this, and I'm really glad that what is Bolly said this now. I, I have not heard about this, not one thing. But also, like, thank you, I like. Money or no money, <laughs> obviously, obviously we know the like if it's if there's money, everything else, everything else falls in place. But I'm really glad that I'm protecting my kids and I, I do not know about and I don't speak to you about any of this. And I think that's all the man of God. To be, I don't think you need to to that one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the Formula One returned. I don't want to say returned, but it was back 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 weekend, and the Spanish Grand Prix was around the corner. I, I don't want to say surprise, surprise, because there was no surprise. The Stappen ended up on pole position. I was watching, I was seeing Boris this tweet on Twitter. I was talking about, oh, Lewis Hamilton should get this pole during qualifying. I was like, hmm, DJ the <laughs> 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 No, but did you watch the qualifying? I mean, yeah, it did. He looked at some point. He looked like it, but he made a mistake on his mistake. final. Mistake. It was not even matter. Um, yes. It was. It was really, really close. Yeah, he made a mistake on his final run in the in the third sector. And but that okay, when that mistake happened, I was like, okay, the, um, the race itself should be more exciting, bright. But as soon as Carlos Sainz. Oh, this is not me. Oh, this is not me. Oh, this is not me. Oh, this is not. Me. Go past him again. Can you guys hear me? You yes, went up. Yes. Verstappen initially lost his position to Carlos Sainz and gained his back. Okay, this is how do I put it? This is going to be one of those smooth races and. Obviously, nothing changed. The only thing where we saw that was different was the case that, okay, Mercedes had better performance. But it was just better performance in the sense that, okay, 
they, they looked better than the rest of the field. Because Sergio Perez from 11th still found a way to finish fourth and could have easily finished third if there were extra laps. And yeah, we, we, at, when people say, oh, when Mercedes were doing this before, blah, 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 nobody was complaining. I don't think Mercedes' dominance was this crazy. Like, Verstappen did not sweat at any point during that race. Not once. Yeah, I think I think it's also evident when you listen to um, his radio at the very end of the race, and it was like eh, we we were perfect except when I went off the white line once. Like that's mm. how ridiculous that race was. Um, other than the fact that I was happy that we are out of Monaco because well, I'm not rich enough to be so concerned about Monaco yards, and Monaco is not a track where you can overtake, so it was boring for we the poor people. But the fact that we had a little bit of action in the Spanish Grand Prix. There was the Alonso manoeuvre a couple times. Goes, goes to show that, okay, Alonso is and would always be a very good driver till he retires. And another another very big talking point from the Spanish Grand Prix was the fact that, surprise, surprise, Ferrari is shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, and... But we, we need to we need to commend Mercedes for how well they've been able to manage their team because I felt like the Red Bull was miles, miles ahead of anybody. And um Bullish, what 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 is what is worrying? I know um, Brad just mentioned the fact that Ferrari were horrible. Like yeah, it was horrible. Hello? Was can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you can Hello? I think we lost you for a second. I thought I thought you had stopped talking. Okay, no, no, no. I I was I was saying that um rebels the rebel um car is miles miles away from every other manufacturer, and at, at least when 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 Mercedes was dominant, there there was still a little bit of challenge. L- look at the last race. I think Verstappen only wasn't leading for less than forty seconds or thereabouts throughout the whole race. So it like it, at this point it looks ridiculous. You rightly pointed out the way Perez was able to maneuver, though the same can be said about Russell. But the performance of 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 the Red Bull car is just miles and miles away from any other person, making the the race and the championship at this point almost a will I say a redundant competition. It's no longer a competition to me. So I would actually love to see more competition in the F1. Um, Bullish, everybody is clamoring for more competition, and Ferrari promised a lot, especially last year when they told us that oh, the focus is 2023, not 2022. And we're like, okay, let's see how that goes. But it's 2023 so far, and uh, it, there's no there's no potential of okay, something is going to happen here. The only thing we're excited about now when we watch these races is okay. Maybe Alfa Tari will probably finish ahead of us, or maybe Alfa Romeo will overtake Williams at some point. Aside that, like at the top end of the table, is about okay. If Sergio Perez doesn't make a mistake, he finishes top two in qualifying. If he does well, he finishes top two during the race, and that's the end. Is like, do, do we get to the point whereby the like Liberty Media and the um, those the powers that are being from now on be worried that are they going to start losing fans at some point? So. <clears throat> For Ferrari, I think they, they they probably they probably have not found what they thought they had. You know that sometimes you think you have something, and then when you, when you get into the ring, and then they punch you, discover that that strategy is not going to work. So that's I think Ferrari still needs to keep building and try to. Um, they probably need to already give up about this season and try to see what they can do to get the Kappa romance. But the exciting thing about the Mercedes car is that. The, we know that Verstappen has, you know, has an LD lead. No one is probably going to meet him. And then the Red Bull has a superior car. But what we've said over time is that give Hamilton a competitive car. Yes, he might not be the best car. Meaning, a competitive car, meaning if he starts on pole, for example, let's say he's able to nick pole, he's able to at least keep, you know, get enough pace to keep himself in front. Where it's not like a case of where someone can just easily just bypass him because he has a very, very, you know, um, slow car. When you have a car that at least is powerful, the performance is okay. Abington has shown that he can keep up with the pace and keep up with the um, competition. Now, 
what Mercedes should be trying to aim for is trying to see if they can win the Constructors' Championship this year. Trying to continue to... Those things, those upgrades they've done that has made, you know, the, the car fast. Because it's not just this weekend. The car was actually fast in Monaco, but they had a lot of um, things that they were still working on because they are new upgrades. So, if you can continue to work on the car and we trust Mercedes um, antecedent to deliver than Ferrari, because Ferrari hasn't done anything of note since Schumacher was with them. So, it's been a while since Ferrari did anything. Even when Vettel went to Ferrari, that we're thinking things are going to be a little bit different. Still the same. So, we know that Mercedes can provide that competition. Uh, Aston Martin has been really, really um, up there. Yes, they are not as close to Red Bull, but they've been up there in terms of competition. But when, when we just need Mercedes to continue to work on the car, try to provide more competition, try to, if possible, win the Constructors' Championship this year. If they can do that, it will really put a stink in Red Bull's plan and then see what they can do with the car next coming next season. Because you want a car that from day one, from barring testing, you are able to not if you can beat the pace, at least offer considerable pace that if you can, if you add some extra maneuvers and some extra skill, you can keep up. Not a car where you are just useless. Because the Mercedes cars at earlier the first two or three races, you could not even keep up with the Astomatin car, not talk of even Red Bull. So it's a welcome development. And in terms of um in terms of um what's it called? In terms of um competition, I think over time it 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 still uh finds a way to because whatever it is they are doing, except there's a there's a trick or there's a there's a there's a fraudulent thing that they are doing that nobody knows. Eventually people will catch up. They might not catch up to them exactly, but eventually someone will be on par with them. That particular thing that is given them that is tried, we found out, and then people can actually still copy it. They might get one more year of dominance, but eventually they'll come back to the mean and have to like re-strategize and think of how to beat the system again. And this is also showing how important the engineers are. You know, you see, you have, we, we've literally seen how movement of engineers from one company to the other drastically improves the chances and the uh, performances of the cars of the company. So an engineer moves from Mercedes to Red Bull, you see the impact. An engineer moves from Red Bull to us. Like you see those movements. So probably F1 has to now start paying attention and try to lure more quality engineers, maybe go and steal from NASA or someone or something into the uh, to help even the playing field. But I think eventually it will, it will even out. Um Bonnie is talking about. Mercedes can upgrade and do all these things, and the question of Red Bull. We've not seen Red Bull actually push the car. Like we're not talking about upgrades for Red Bull. We're not talking about them pushing the car. Like, like I said, I mentioned earlier, there's no sweat yet. So even if Mercedes make all these upgrades, do all these things, Red Bull, like, I just Mercedes decide, okay, let's do all this. Okay, let's improve the car. It, it only gets to probably Red Bull like, okay, you know what? Let's not take our foot off the pedal anymore. Let's just let's show them what we have because there was a race earlier this season where. Um, Christian Hunter had to tell Bruce Perez and Max Verstappen, like, you know what, just slow down, take your time. You can take your foot off the, you can coast a little bit and let's just get this car home. So I don't see where the potential is for other teams to really challenge Red Bull all of a sudden. Honestly, I don't think I see it either because it's not even that if the, if the others upgrade, uh, Red Bull will put their foot on the gas and accelerate more. It's that Mercedes and Red, they are upgrading to try and keep it. It's not even guaranteed to try. But the stats we've seen this year has been, as, as Brad said, like, I feel like there's no competition anymore. Like, you know, like something feels grab and all, like, it just feels like everybody's beating. Like, you know, in terms of inevitability, what very blah, So, yes, there might be reasons to be optimistic, and, but I'm not quite sure where, where everybody's expecting it seems like at this point it's about keeping track, like hanging on to like hanging on to any upgrade Mercedes. It looks like it, it's not even guaranteed. 
first of all, like, it's not guaranteed that OEM Mercedes are going to make improvements and this improvement is going to be good, glaringly good. So, and if that comes in, they're basically just hanging on to very good foot. And as you said, Red Bull can afford to keep, can afford to keep for the exact bit. And like, you can be completely completed. So, if if those upgrades do come in, and it is like, um, yeah, Mercedes might are catching up again. Honestly, it feels like for the foreseeable future, like a lot can change in like two, two, three years, but for the next two years, it feels big. Or not just for the city, but for the sports itself. Um, even from Formula One, because clearly I'm of, I'm of the opinion that I'm sure let me just agree with you next sense, but I'm of the opinion that okay, when, when the FA Cup final came around, like that the first goal, when the first goal came around, it was like, oh wow, world class strike by. Um, but that's a Congo. Every time I look at it, every time I see it, I'm like, okay, the guy should have done better to save this. I've always been a stench defender of the guy who says that, okay, yeah, he's not very good with his feet, he's not a modern goalkeeper. You cannot control the game, you cannot control games, not just one game. Games with him as a goalkeeper because he shakes you with his feet, obviously. But he's an amazing shot stopper. I've always believed that, okay, his shot stopping abilities cover up for his flaws with his feet. But so far this season, it seems like those shot stopping abilities have dwindled. And now it's getting to a point where, okay, he doesn't play as a modern goalkeeper. He's not comfortable with his feet. You cannot conveniently pass the ball to him. Is it time for Man United to say, okay, whatever it is this guy was offering us as a short stopper, he's not offering us anymore. And he's not good with the ball at his feet. And he earns ridiculous salary. Even if, because I don't see how you, yes, he has to reduce from 350 to 200 and something. But if you are paying the guy 200 and something thousand pounds plus, and you are not convinced that he should be your, your, your number one goalkeeper, then why are you keeping him in the first place? Honestly, I'm a bit surprised that people are just seeing this now. Like, the guy has been doing even with the first stuff. Because I remember in 2020, when he made two mistakes with himself, I was like, yeah, those two mistakes are not even the biggest problem. The biggest problem is that one of those goals, it was so close to me. And we know, like, I know what the guy of 2020 was like, whereby and the moment is so rapid. Yeah, did you need the boy going in? Somebody has thrown it up. Somebody has thrown it up. And, and now you can't do that anymore. And the lack of ability to speak is one of the reasons why I lost it. That is the main reason why I lost it. And without keep saying the whole oh, yes, they will play me if it's not important. Not everything wants to be true. But in Spain, the year is usually being benched by keepers of Brentford and the second test for Brighton. The goal of quality is obvious, and even they have too much. Know that if United wants to get pick up, wants to get and become one of the elite teams, they need a goalkeeper at A and start distributing attacks from from the back, start helping the build up. But let's face it, yesterday the, the two the main reason why City was so comfortable. One of the main reasons was that they had a goalkeeper who could move goals, and that's their second choice. The second, if the second, if it seems second choice goalkeeper is comfortably better than the first choice you have, in terms of doing the things you want to do, and that's the level you're aiming for, the first choice goalkeeper makes no sense. It's as simple as that. Um, sticking with the FA Cup final, because bullish, the penalty is obviously controversial because the people that will tell you that it should never be a penalty in a million years, and I agree with them to an extent. But it's starting to look like the people that write these laws, because according to the laws now, once you have your hand away from your body, it doesn't even matter whether the centimeters or the millimeters are a certain distance or not, whether you are jumping from the sky, because I don't know how these people that write the laws believe that when you jump, your hands are supposed to be behind your back every time or stuff like that. Do we take the focus away from the referees and focus on FIFA and IFAB themselves? Like, why are you writing these rules like you are playing table tennis or something? So the, 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 the annoying part about it is that the laws keep changing. I've, I've seen new penalty explanation or law in the last six years. I think I've seen three different changes in the last six years. Mm-hmm. Why? Before now, there was like almost a understanding of what the penalty is, the position of the hand, um, natural position, and what it defined. Now, if you watch that um, jump, the guy jumped up and it was it was if you jump up. As you are coming down, you have to come down. Unfortunately, he came down and he, he hit the ball. 
you can call it a penalty. I won't argue with you. But it's one of the softest penalties I've seen all season. And, you know, that need, that need where we have to continually have conversations around what is the true penalty is a problem. There should be a way to educate and describe and say, okay, this is a penalty, this is not a penalty. And if it now happens, everyone will say, oh, even though you were, it was not intentional, everybody will just say, oh, you're unlucky, sorry. Do you understand? Like, it's not even, we, we should not even bother about whether it was intentional or not. I think that should not be our problem. There should be a clear definition of what should be a penalty. And once a, a particular criteria meets it, then we know that, oh, this is a penalty, and then nobody should talk or complain. So we just, so the conversation will not be like, oh, ah, it was unlucky or not. Because you look at the Sevilla, the Sevilla handball also that um, Mourinho wanted a penalty for. It was almost the same thing. His hand was in, is in, is in a natural position, and he was moving down the way, and the ball grazed him. Obviously, if it was at, um, the referee of the FA Cup, that means the referee would have given it. Meanwhile, the referee in the, FA, the referee in the Europa League did not give it. So there's that um, need for that clarification. Then what exactly is the VAR supposed to do in cases like this? We saw a case where Casemiro carried Cutlass and Machete to slice to slice someone on the pitch. And our conversation, what we've heard is that VAR reviews stuff like that that the referee did not see. Because the referee mm -hmm. could not have seen that tackle because the um, the player lost the ball. Akonji, yeah. he lost the ball before that tackle came in. VR is also remove, re review that tackle and tell the ref, guy, look at this thing. Even if it's not, if you're not going to send him off, at least a yellow card. That it was that, that was more clearer than even the penalty that was issued. So that's let, the let, let, let me clarify something for, for our audience because VAR is not supposed to refer the game. It, the minute you check it on VR, is either red card penalty or a goal. That was VR is for you. Cannot use VR and give somebody a yellow card. That that, that card. particular incident mm -hmm. was was at least warranted a look up from the referee. Mm -hmm. That means you should they should have prompted the referee to come and look at it. Mm -hmm. That particular tackle was that reckless. It was that reckless that they should have looked at it. So that's where that's another problem I have. Why we are why do you have yes, VR should not refer the game because you don't want to slow down the game and all that stuff. But if there are some things that are clear, I think VR should be able to whisper into the referees here. Yes, the referees were working without VR before. But now that you have given us VR, there's a reason why in the NBA, sometimes you go to the video ref, uh, replay, sometimes you check it out, sometimes coach you challenge. There's a reason why they introduce all those things. Even though they already had video replay, they still introduce coaches challenge because some, and we've seen that the coaches challenge works. It's not as if we've seen it in the NBA that there are literally times at crucial times in the game, like the referee has missed the call. The coach say, no, you know, I'm calling it back. And then they'll go to the monitor, check it. And we've seen the coach, the coach challenge actually win games or some things where a call that was wrongly made, they go to the monitor, they look at it, and then they correct it. And then, you know, the team ends up, maybe the, 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 the basket is cancelled and the free throw that they were supposed to take was removed, that's three points, they get the ball back instead, and then they go the other way, they score two points, and then they win the game. So, those things, the game is not, it's not, it's not static, it's, it's going to evolve every way. You have introduced VAR, you want to make the game fast, you don't want to slow down the game like basketball, I understand. But, there are some things that are so glaring that you need to call the attention of the referee. So, but, I, I think at the end of the day, we can't really complain that he gave the penalty because there's that uncertainty allows that room for when ambiguity can sneak in and then people can take decisions, you know, in in either way, in uh, another way. Um, and let me just let's stick to the ethical final for a bit. Like let's move away from the decisions because for everybody and their grandfathers, maybe except my United fans, everyone <laughs> going to that game knew that City were favourites. For some people, it's the case of okay. God, please don't let them beat us like we stole money today. <laughs> just, just let, let's just go there and enjoy ourselves. Then United decided that, okay, okay, we just defend, find a way to get it on the break if we can get a few chances. I want that. And, and at, the end of the, at, the, at the end of the day, the most important thing aside the whole Degea mistake was the fact that there's this golfing class between both teams. Like, it, it was a case of, okay, I'm here to win. And the other one is like, okay, I'm here to survive so that you don't kill me. So it now becomes it, it now begs the question of for how like how long like how long is it going to take Man United to get to the 
points where City are. Because my issue, I believe, with Man United is sentiment. The way they run that club is sentimental. Yes, whether the Glazers end up selling or not, they are very sentimental. You, you see some fans online comp- telling you that, oh, don't sell us because McTominay is, is going to be good very soon. He's 27 already. <laughs> the, if he's going to be good, you should see it now. Phil Jones spent 12 years at Man United offering them next to nothing. Somebody's going to be telling you that, oh, keep Fred. He runs up and down and he tackles. And I'm wondering, okay, another person will be like, oh, keep Aramwan Bisaka. He's a, he has improved the timing of his sliding tackle. And I'm like, okay, like all these unnecessary sentiments. You can see Man City wake up every morning and say, hey, selling does not fire us anything anymore. Thank you very much. Abre Jesus, thank you very much. It was nice having you. City bought um, Claudio Lopez, uh, Claudio Barbara, I beg your pardon, sold him the next year, brought in Ederson. Like there's ruthlessness there and there's a direction. Like, how long is it going to take my United to be able to realize that, okay, we need to get to this level where City are? And how do they even get there? They need Mourinho back. I think, I, I think, <laughs> I, I think for, to every United fan that will be listening to this, I'm very sorry to say this, but I think it will take nothing lesser than a decade if United wow. is ever going to catch Man City again. And that is, that is inch on a lot of factors. You've, you've, you've elaborated on a, quite a lot of them. One, uh, but the most cogent of them is the fact that the club is being run by people. I'm very sorry to say this; they have almost no knowledge of what they are doing. Like the the only difference with whoever is running United and Todd Bully is the fact that you know what? There's this American swagger that Todd Bully just came with. It's still fresh, so it's still forgivable. <laughs> but the fact that the Glazers have assimilated into the British culture and they are still as useless as they are. Like, I, I just can't phantom if you would have the option of selling the club to two different people. And one is extremely bent on running the club to the ground, which I know that is what uh, Sajimi is going to do eventually. He has proved it in other clubs that he runs. And you have a consortium or a foundation, a Qatar foundation, that similar consortiums from that region have proven that they can take a club from the ruins of relegation, Newcastle, to challenging and almost rubbing shoulder with the big boys. So it's the fact that real administrative management of the club is being is in a sharp decline. And that is why, look at a very good example. Let's, let's use Man City and Duarte. Like, when Joat was let go in Man City, he still had that quality to be a top, top goalkeeper. Like, at least then. And the club was ruthless about how they wanted to go because they had a plan. United has no plan. Like, they were told that the club was going to be sold before now. And here we are. We don't even know who is going to be in charge of the club. Not to talk of making plans. Making, like, like at least we need, like, four transfers, ideally. If we are going to be on the level of Arsenal, that is even the least. We need like four transfers with a manager that knows that okay, he has the backing of the of the management uh-huh. of the board. Manager. Oh, Ever said manager that has the board. Like he's finish the board now. now. Listen now. <laughs> so, so like like it, it just goes to show that I, I am very sure presently Eric Tenag is confused. Like you can't really boastfully go into the market and say this is what I want to buy because you don't even know what is at your disposal. Like, a couple That's hours true. ago, the old Rabio noise started again. Why? Because he's the only person we can get on the free. Like, you get the drift. The, the, the fact that we have been having reoccurring issues in particular positions that needed dealing with and has not been addressed. When you look at the average age of, of the club, I think the average age of United is the 11th in the league. We're talking about a team that presently cannot challenge for the league and we have a core players Bruno Fernandes is 28 Casemiro is 31 we have our core players our core important players are players that are either at their peak or, or getting their close past their peak like you get how development of a team should be like look at Arsenal for example they are not like I know some people want to shit on them and all of that but they have a core of players that can still go for five years you don't even years. need to look at that you can look at City like, like, look at look, they, they have people like Foden on, on their bench that would that would that would dazzle into any team, any top five, te- any top team in the world. 
you, you get the point you get the drift so that is that, that is showing you the disparity in vision in plan and where they are when you look at it retrospectively so I'm, i have to be very sincere with you i think we are we are on a very very we are, we are on a divergent path city is going to stop wow. is sharply declined you still sitting down you are a long thing <laughs> <laughs> Noisy neighbors have changed faces. But Kuli, I want to buttress on Lemage's conversation before I move to the Champions League. Um, I want to buttress Lemage's conversation on ownership because we all know, let's not be hypocrites. We know that, okay, the labor laws and all those things, all the blemishes that come with Qatar, yeah, that's fine. But we've seen them invest in clubs, like we've seen Saudi Arabia invest in Newcastle and all these things. But what really baffles me is that the, the English media can see that Sajim Radcliffe's plan is based on Depth, 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 and depth to own my United. And is it because of the statue of my United? Is it because of what it would stand for if a Qatari consortium, a Qatari foundation comes in and own my United? Because I don't, the kind of opposition that Sheikh Jassim Bid is getting from the British media is funny. I'm, I'm trying to think like, okay, this is becoming sentimental, whereby the English media are looking at it that my United is so big that it should not be owned by these people. Yeah, the opposition is definitely sentimental. You forget the whole sports watching Palava and blah blah blah. But this is Britain media. It's not something for. Basically, the bottom line is that um, English football created English football made sure the sports um football that have money that are complaining that people have more money than they to pay. That's it. That's basically the bottom line. And we still with what Jim Rat uh, Rat did to me basically. You pick them up, then you bring them back down again. It's on back, back, back in the middle. And obviously, yes, there is the um, image laundering that Katarina wants to do. You know, but they, they always have a plan. Like, you see what they do. You see with Massachusetts, with Newcastle. Okay, it's not quite the same with PNC. It's obvious where this thing will take, where this thing will take United. And as we said, if United wants to cut off I don't think it might be it might take us to the decade. But I think they need uh, actual a serious actual plan. And honestly, because of the perspective bias, I think that it looks like the one that has the most concrete plan. The miracles of work. Like actually we said is literally in death right now. Like which is changing the glue line. So it's basically it's a sideways move if they move from the glazers to actually. And they can't even well, talk about the whole political whatever because it is not like people that donate to Trump campaign. Right? So what's not the political nonsense that they're talking about? Um, um, Kule, sticking with the the, the women's you find out the women's UEFA women's Champions League final um find out the UEFA women's Champions League happened on Saturday afternoon, and the predictions before the game were like okay Barcelona Barcelona were favourites to win. Even despite the fact that, okay, Alessia Puteas and um, Azapeshwala were injured, but a lot of people stood to Barcelona to win. Then it became a massive, massive shock when Wolfsburg ran to a two-goal lead in the first half. And I'm wondering, okay, what's happening here? Can we slow down? This was not in the plan. Like, what, is, what exactly is going here? But in typical Barcelona fashion, like, they've, done, they've been here before, they've done this, the champions two years ago, they found a way to respond in the second half, and they did it in a calm manner without panicking. That's why the fact that, like I mentioned earlier, Puteas was out injured, just recovering from, my, from an ACL injury. Players like Aitana Bomati and um, Carl and Graham Hansen all stepped up to the flo- uh, to the game and they made it a proper, proper game in the second half, eventually winning 3-2. Yes, they lost the, the ambition run in the league ended two weeks ago to Real Madrid, but it still feels like, on paper, to do anything successful in the Women's Champions League, you really have to go to Barcelona. Um, yeah, especially this season. But I've always maintained that in the past, in the past few years, the teams that win Champions League, especially women's Champions League, is not necessarily the team that gets to go, but the team that is most capable of receiving a blow to the outstanding. Um, and last season, when Leon beat Barcelona, like those first two games, Leon lost twenty five and Barcelona could not withstand it. Wolfsburg had the same game plan, but even that's the way their first game came from. But it shows how Barcelona has also have also involved, because it's not just the city attacker fancy football and winning forward of it. They can grind out games now. And it was particularly telling because last season 
Wolfsburg men Barcelona in Wolfsburg too. Even though Barcelona basically killed that tie, a Wolfsburg goal, and it was the aggressive, ferocious manner. And it was the same thing Wolfsburg did as well. But if you watch like this game in particular, even where Wolfsburg were being aggressive, it never looked like Barcelona were in trouble. Even when they were through that, because Barcelona were creating most of the chances and they were still controlling that game. And the moment South Down Wolfsburg had scored the first goal, it was on. Like, we knew where this would be. And as you said, now it seems like for a team to win Champions League, you have to go to Barcelona. You fight one things like Neon, PSG, Arsenal, or something. It's like Barcelona have to come to the Well, um, to the main Champions League, Polish, um, City are on the verge of doing the treble. As much as my United fans don't want it, it's, it, it looks like, okay, only a, a super masterclass from Andrew Nana or a miracle from Inter is going to stop them when the Champions League final arrives on Saturday. Now, we've seen Pep Guardiola do these things before, like showed up in the final against Chelsea and said, ah, today, no DM. We just run it. We're playing Chelsea. We'll be fine. Is it a case of, on paper, like, see the bookies, on paper, everyone everyone believes that City are favourites by country, man. Like, a lot of people are not giving Inter a chance. And now, there's, there's, a, there's an option. We saw on Saturday, City's first goal. They just went direct to Haaland, ball drops to get De Bruyne. They found a way to play. They have an alternative means of getting goals now without the whole ticket attack stuff. Is it a case of, okay, so so God help Inter or it's a final and anything can help him? Well, the truth is it's a final and anything can happen because the game of football, you know, you start the game... You 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 beat some beats an offside trap. They go one nail. They start defending. Anything can happen. So you can't just say because because there's a reason why they got to the final. It's not because they are selling beans. It's because they got to the final. So anything can happen. And then I think that's the message Pep will probably have for his squad. You know, understanding that regardless of whether you're favorite or not, when the, when the when the kickoff happens, is a game of football. You can't be thinking about being the favorite. You have to go and get the job done. And if you look at finals, sometimes even though the favorites do wins a lot of time, you just there are very few games in Champions League finals where you can you say, oh, they were outclassed or they were beaten to stupor or anything like that. Most mm-hmm. times, even when even when the gulp in quality, for example, see the Bayern Chelsea, even when the gulp in quality might be different. You can end up with a game where something happens, 70 minutes you have never scored, and then the jitters start coming in, and then you know, you know, anything can happen. So the the message obviously I'm sure will be you are not favorite until you get the job done. You can't be favorite, you have never won it in your life. Inter has won Champions League before, you have never won it in the history of your club. So I'm sure that will be some of the messaging. But if but if they play to their strength, do what they have been doing all season, you know. Play direct, play for midfield with the quality in the they have in midfield and defense. I think they will get the job done. Um, I don't want to ask Clemente because I know where he stands. He's just looking for an inter miracle come this Saturday. <laughs> um, away from that, um, Clemente, we, after the rumors came out last week that ah Benzema is considering the offer to go to Saudi Arabia because <laughs> two hundred million euros for two years is a lot of money. In terms of salary, like it's crazy money. And he came out and said, Oh, the internet is the internet in typical footballer fashion. He didn't come out and say, Oh, that's not true. I'm not the kind of said the internet is the internet. Let the internet talk. I'm not going to see anything. I love Real Madrid. We have a game on Sunday. That's what that matters. One thing, do one thing. And people were already writing reports like, you know, Lawrence was telling everybody that was listening online that these guys agreed to go to Saudi Arabia already. And as God would have it on Saturday, was announced that oh, Benzema is finally leaving, he has made up his mind, he's going to go to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, it's a good deal for him, isn't it? He's 34 or thereabouts, he has won almost everything he can, he has won everything with Real Madrid, he has nothing else to prove in Europe. Like money, generational words, yeah, I come. But it now begs the question for Real Madrid because I don't think Real Madrid plans for such a rebuild. Now you need a striker, and there are reports that Madrid wants the Kai Havertz to replace Real Madrid. And my question is, don't they have scouts? I said to replace to replace Benzema. Like, don't they have scouts? This guy offers Chelsea nothing. He can score, he can dribble, he can pass. Like, and Benzema, and the the obvious replacement for me is Harry Kane. 
yes, Dan Levy is screaming to the heavens that he's not for sale, blah, blah, blah. But you can go and meet Dan Levy and tell him that, do worry, I'm not going to sell it to my United Domestic. I'm not going to sell him in England. You can tell your fans that you collected money and you sent him to Spain to go and enjoy himself in Spain. Sell him to us. Like, so where is this love affair? Is it the same Kai Havertz or a different player? With, with, with all due respect to Kai Havertz, I feel like um, I think it was 2017 that I almost beat somebody up for saying that Kai Havertz was not good. Um, I I think that Kai Havertz being played off position in Chelsea for the past three three or four years now is actually a disservice to him. And But my issue with the old rumour is the fact that Ma, um, um, Real Madrid is being linked with Kai Havertz for the central forward position, which I think is a it's a massive blunder to whoever that scout is. And I think at this point, some of us that are just journalists and pundits, we might need to start taking up positions in all of these big clubs and start <laughs> racking in his money too. Because I don't know in what... like It was like a band-aid that Tuchel was using Kayavat for as a force nine. And now it has evolved to what his scouts can say, okay, Kayavat is a central forward. Like, that is ludicrous. Like, it's very crazy. Like, I can't, like, I can't even, like, even in my football manager days, I can't even attempt it. So, and I think when it comes to financial prowess and financial um, ability, Madrid is still in one of those clubs that can survive and can go for someone like Vlaovic, can still struggle for the signature of someone like Victor Sime. Like, even though there are some strikers that, what's the name of this guy that you signed for um, RB... Red Bull, Sesco. Like I, I felt like those were, those were one-to-one replacement for um, Karim Benzema. But I feel one of the pressures that Real Madrid is facing now is the fact that um, the sudden uh, decision of Benzema, which I think they should have planned for because it was in the last year of his contract, they didn't plan for for that transition. And I feel that is why they are trying a shotgun approach and they're trying to just randomly shoot. I, I think it's a very, very terrible idea. Yes, the number the number nine role is one of the positions in the world with very few um players that you can that can almost immediately suit into your style. But at the same time, Real Madrid is still in a position financially where they can make that work. And sign, sign, signing Kayavat will be a very, very terrible mistake. Um, Kuli, like Benzema is a striker that links up play. Links up play, comes to the middle of the park, play, contributes with his team, does all these things, opens up spaces for the wingers like Rodrigo and Vinicius. And, uh, hello, there's a guy that does that easily in Premier League. His name is Harry Kane. His name is Kayavat. <laughs> <laughs> his name is Harry Kane and he did that this season for sports scoring 30 goals in a very horrible 30 year sports team yes the only reason we're not talking about him in such high season because of what Elil Haaland did in his first season in the Premier League and I'm like why don't you just go for Kane why, why was this half ass half ass drama that we're seeing yeah it, it just it generally seems like like the option is simple like the answer is Easy out there, just Harry Kane. I play my perhaps one of the things that I'm looking at is okay. Kane is Kane is going to get the one soon. There's my left at 34. So basically, if they're using that metric, he might have just three years to do this. But I think I don't think it's even it's still explaining why you want to go, why they want to go for Harvard instead, unless they want to go for Harvard and get an, another striker as well. Just it feels quite odd from Madrid's point of view. And frankly, even in terms of getting the strike, I don't think Kane is the player they should get, even though he looks like he looks like a yes better good calling option and even getting a star player is good to like it. I generally think at this point Madrid should go for another Kulumani or Frankfurt. Like I don't see any other striker at this point. That fits that is in that Benzema mode and it's going to be significantly cheaper than him. If he gets 60 million, you're almost guaranteed. You're yeah, definitely guaranteed to get Kuluman for Frankfurt. You might get 100, and then you'll be like, no, no worries, I'm not selling you. Um, 
away from games, Kondesi sticking with Real Madrid. After Eddie Nazar announced last week, ah, you know what, I'm not going to leave Real Madrid. I'm going to be here next season. I really want to be here. And, and the journalist was like, you, you don't play. I was like, yeah, I'm still, I, I still want to be here. I don't want to leave. Florentino Perez had to come to the decision of, okay, this guy's going to wreck me financially. Yofa's nothing on the field. I'm barely anything off the field. And he said he doesn't want to leave. They have to find a way to like terminate his contract. It was mutual agreements. They are paying 50% for next season's salary. We, we, we've all spoken about, like we've heard the comments about Hazard, whether it's from Mikel, John Terry, or Mourinho, who have, who have said that, okay, extremely talented player, very, very horrible trainer. He doesn't like to train or put in efforts into it. But where, where next for Hazard? I don't see any top club in Europe gambling and saying, oh, yeah, Whatever it is that happened around Madrid was a fluke. Come and show us that you still have it. Yeah, honestly, I don't see any way of saying that. But I see the new stumbling block is going to be the new first of all. And which club will it fit in? And I did say, okay, 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 look at his last three years. Like, I know, this has not worked. I'm glad we think it's more for Then you can say, okay, yes, maybe it goes to a belief to. That to do the same backup, like for instance, maybe Milan, the Inter, like oh yeah, the way they are going to get it, going to get it. And I did tell if this was three years ago, or if it was five years ago, other other games definitely going to China because China does not spend that amount of money with it. It just seems like players like Hazard, even the Maya, even Pogba, if that that probably next on the pipeline to talk to the just like, yes, this matches the cardio. He has no for you. He has to come and really come and run it back for the some more time. It seems like that is the next possible thing for others. And it, honestly, it's quite hard for Spire. But when he, when he made the move to Maria at that point, he felt so right. But he was arguably the best player in the world at that point. It seems like he felt like he could do anything. And the injuries are taking so toll, especially the way he plays. And the fact that others are going to that position. Not there, the he, has always, he has always said that he does not do more than he more than his power. Is of course, he is and he even showed up about with after preseason, after general manager. Yeah, and the key thing as well that everybody that won without him is something really matters. You know, other people be like, no, no, it's not what you can get someone else. Emily, um, speaking of the Saudi Arabia League, Bullish, we heard there was a meeting in the La Liga office today where. Barcelona were trying to tell La Liga that we think God beg you. Eh? Whatever it's all this madness needs to stop. Racism is killing the league. The ratings are down, viewers are down. Let me see come back. Eh? Stop where's the bus? Stop all this madness. So this thing you're only shouting, shouting, shouting on TV. It's not going to help anybody. Let Messi come back. Even if it's for one season, let's watch all this. But now it's a case of Messi is definitely not going to come to play for free because <laughs> forget Benzema's 200 million euros for two years. Messi has an offer of 200 million for Paye in Saudi Arabia. Like, that's twice the offer that Benzema has, which is crazy already. So, how, it's, what, like, it's more than 200 million per year. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> so, how do you do like, you come back? So how do you how do Barcelona go and convince him and say ah the woman do last dance or last last week or whatever it is? Like I don't I don't I don't think we'll be able, I don't think we will we'll be able to get him this um this um what's it called this uh, transfer window I I doubt it the 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 rumors that were circling that gave me a little bit of hope was when I heard that Inter Miami might come into the picture and yeah, then they actually. And then loan him back to us for a year. That there will be like a an agreement where they loan, loan him back to us for a year, so that we can have that farewell tour and whatnot. Well, with the way the news has been going, and the fact that Jogi Messi, that's his father. Down, I don't think Jogi Messi wants to see him in Barcelona again. Left to, I think left to Messi. If there was a way for him to work out something where he can play and and do like a like a final year where he does like a full on celebration tour. I think Messi will do it, but I don't think the people around him, like his father, brother, those ones, I don't think those ones want to see him in Barcelona again. So I, I don't think it's, it's going to happen. At least, if it's going to happen, it's not going to be this year. Maybe when, he, when it's done, final retirement, maybe we'll come and play two games or something, but it's just sad the way, you know, even Busquets got a better farewell. Jordi Alba got that a better farewell. Yeah. 
you know, you understand, Iniesta, Javi were able to celebrate, like we knew they were going, we were able to celebrate them for a couple of games, give them proper send forth. So if, if he goes to Saudi, I think even if he goes to Saudi, I think probably maybe towards the end of the season, he can come play five games just together. My own, as much as I want him for the sporting reasons, because except anyone wants to deceive themselves, Messi is as the highest assist in Europe this season. So it's not a case of, oh, uh, he's, he's no longer, he's no, yes, he's not 10 years ago Messi, but Messi in your team will create chances to score goals, who attract um, defensive assignment from some other people, freeing up space for others, you know, do passes. The same way, he will try to just to be the best player at the World Cup, which is like the biggest tournament in the world. So, aside from that footballing aspect of who oh, Messi, because we had a lot of struggle creativity, especially anytime Pedro was not on the floor. Anytime Pedro was not available, we struggled to create, we struggled to create chances, we struggled to move the ball. So Messi would obviously create that, give us that option to create from the middle. But also the fact that we didn't celebrate him the way he left, you know, during doing a press conference where he was, he didn't want to go. So that that is that is actually you know more important than getting him for his football benefit. So if he doesn't come now, I'm comfortable with. I'm actually happy if he, I'll be okay with him, even if he's in three years' time, come for 10, 15 games. Just to get that proper relation he deserves as the best player that has played for Barcelona. Because to be honest, there's no way you can compete with the Saudi money with the way they are throwing it out there. Even if it's my enemy that they are offering 400, uh, 300, 300 million per year, I'll tell him, I'll, be, I'll tell him, I'll like, please let me just, you don't need ball boy, you don't need personal. He can afford to pay you 2 million per year and he will not know that he's paying you anything. So and two million per two million dollars per year is a is the elite top three <laughs> salary in the world. So you can imagine the kind of the money is crazy. It's just crazy. So I don't think we'll be able to compete. Uh, it's sad, but it's understand. You can, I can always understand. It. Um, it was for football. So the NBA finals. Okay, go on. For the first thing go like I'm not even sure Messi will work because. Let's be honest, if Messi was at Barcelona last year, I don't think he wins that World Cup because it, it would be as I, uh, when it, uh, it was working at CSG, I was like, okay, Avaris is in the running for me, Makarisa is in the running for me. When at Barcelona, he's the one doing everything. Like, he's basically slaving away, doing the, all the work. And then, no. So, the, the, structure, the, the, the structure of the team. So, yes, the last three seasons Messi played in Barcelona, it was literally creating, scoring, doing everything. And that was the complaint. That was the complaint. That was the complaint everyone had that. You cannot have someone like Messi and then he's just the one doing everything. There was no Suarez left. There was no point, man. There was like, he, he was literally, and guys that you brought in did not fit him. But we have a group of young, energetic guys that can play the McAllister role, can play the uh, the Paul role, can play. We have some guys and then, we signed in Igor Martinez. I don't know if we can register him, but there's there's conversations we signed in Igor Martinez. We have our defense this season. We literally had the best, uh, what's it called, clean sheet record, and we almost beat the record. The we, we almost beat the record for most clean sheets in the in the league for the last, uh, what's it called, in in top five leagues in Europe. So our defense is actually solid. We have a lot of promise in that defense. Our midfield, except for trying to replace um, Busquets. We have a lot of quality in the midfield. Gavi, Pedri, FDJ, Pablo Torre. Quality guys. Up front is where there's some mis like misnomer in terms of what we can do. But ja uh, Fati literally used the whole of this season to rehab. Because come towards the end of the season is when he started picking form. I can see that, okay, some of the old instincts, some of the old pace, some of the old current things came up. As poor as Fati's season was, is the second uh, leading league scorer for Barcelona this season. That's how poor we are up front. So, if you have Lewandowski, you have Dembele, you have Rafinha, you have Ansu Fati, it's not the same thing that Messi played before leaving, where he was having to do everything. You now have a, a bunch of young guys that can actually work with him and reduce the workload on him. So, it's not going to be like the Barcelona before he left. That's why I think it's going, it's, 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 Messi is going to be like an icing on the cake. Even the Champions League that we're out of, 
and the Europa League that we we're out of. We we literally had cases cases where we we're unfortunate with injury. We had like bad timing with injury where you have four of your first eleven and three of your first first choice defenders were injured. So we can pick like you can look at the season, look at the team, and see okay, there are actually bits and bits pieces of things I can take together, okay, and grow from this season to the next. So if it's coming to this team, it's not it's not because the PSG, I look at PSG team, it's not as if they are they, they were solid like that now. Their midfield was filled, they had apart from Verati, they had some in KTK on one one boy that was dead running up and down. So so and I I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's happening anyway. I, I, at the moment I'm already at the acceptance stage of grief. I don't think it's happening. No I think it's I think it's going to Saudi but no problem. Thank you. That was very quick. Um, that one, from, from, I think what Bolish was trying to point out is that Barcelona have a more balanced team this season and defensively they're quite solid. Um, away from football down to the ABA finals, Bolish, because Denver, high altitude, Nikola Jokic, Jamamure, the depth, they've been outstanding, probably the best team in the NBA this year. They won that first game and they showed that okay, but the Denver no gets and what have you. The next thing we saw after that in game two yes, last night was Jimmy Butler and Bamadi Bayo saying, mm-mm, mm-mm. one, we're not even going to be humiliated here. Like we're going to make this a series. We have a chance of winning. We're going to at least get a game or get something or do something and make it more of a proper, proper NBA finals. And they showed up, yes. Nikola Jokic did his thing, but they ensured that the rest of the Denver Junior players didn't put them to the squad like they did in the first game. So at least even up the series, take out, take game, yeah, give themselves some advantage as they take the series now to Miami. Is it a case of okay, the Denver Nuggets are still the favorites and will find a way to bounce back when they get to Miami on Wednesday, or the Miami it's continue to prove that okay, there is no mountain too high for us to climb in the playoffs this year. So first of all, before I I, I answer that question, I want to tender my unreserved apology as a Warriors fan because we we disappointed the NBA. And the reason why I say that is that we disappointed the NBA because we did not beat the Lakers. And we allowed the Lakers to go ahead to embarrass you know, the, the Western Conference teams by getting swept in the Western Conference Finals. Because if the Warriors had gone to the Western Conference Finals, we would have exposed this fraud before the heat is exposing them now. The noise, the, the shout, and I started hearing uh, the best two-man game Kobe and Kobe and Shaq, and Shaq Kinikwa, uh, Karim Abdul Jabbar, Kinik. Uh, let us let as in that thing with the NBA. We are always very, 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 very quick. Um, that moment, that sport, what is happening at that moment is the you you watch a game today. Maybe Jokic score forty points. You the headline next week is Jokic is the best player in the NBA. You watch a game tomorrow. MB score 40 points. Now MB is the best player in the How can best player be changing every night? And that's all we do in the NBA. We see something happen today. All of a sudden, everybody to say, now nah, people are even saying, some people are saying, ah, maybe the Eats have found them out. It's just, the, the Denver Nuggets are okay. They are not the elite team that everyone has been calling them out to be. They beat the Lakers because Davinam is a rookie head coach. And it showed its ass in the series. Someone like Dilo should not have even sne- after the second game. Someone like Dilo, they should have sent him to Brooklyn to go and relax. He should not have seen played anything in that series. I'm not saying Lakers will have won, but at least they'll have extended. They will not have been swept and made the, the people think the Denver Nuggets are this juggernaut of a team that are just unbeatable. They beat the Phoenix Suns. Everybody knew before this this uh, season started the previous side that. Phoenix Suns have only played eight games together and they have no bench. So, this is a properly balanced matchup between two teams. Adequately balanced. I'm not saying it is going to win, they are going to win. But I'm saying what we saw is actually a true representation of who the two teams are. Meaning, they are evenly matched. All this over-exaggeration and uh, over-emphasis on uh, they will find a way to come and sweep them or win in five. It's not going to happen. It's probably going to go to seven games. And it's going to be Seven games at the seven game proper uh, coaching. If you slack, you get beat out. They and if you look at the way the game was played yesterday, Miami found some things in terms of how they were going to defend. The first game, the first quarter, Aaron Gordon was on Gavin Vincent. 
and he turned to uh, uh, Will Chamberlain in the first quarter. We were just scoring at will. And they made the adjustment that, no, we don't want that kind of thing to happen. That Charlie don't want him to get going. And then you could see the difference in the lineup. You could see the difference in the way they played. And then they knew that, okay, if you want to stifle Denver, not like you stop everything, but don't let it flow. Don't allow players being rhythm, taking rhythm shots. If someone is taking open shots, rhythm shots, that's when they will give you, you see, KCP is giving you four threes, Bruce Brown is giving you two threes, this one is giving you, uh, Michael Potter is giving you four threes because they are taking rhythm shots. Stifle everything, give them, let them create their own shots if they can, make it weird for them. But that doesn't mean that Deva can still not impose themselves on the series. It's going to be a long series. I feel like what happened yesterday is, is now a proper explan like an even depiction of the two teams. Now, the the um altitude thing, I think yes, it, it probably matters a little bit. Because if it matters that much, Denver should probably have won maybe two at least one NBA championship, at least one. We literally beat them in five. So that attitude, yes, is going to matter. But if you are not good enough, you are not good enough. I think it's because they have a good team this year. That attitude is just an added, it's just a small niche in their pocket. But I don't think it's a big deal that will, will be the reason why they are going to win a particular tournament. They were good this year. We both said now have altitude and we're killing in in the in the bay. We're 30 and two or something like that, or 30 and and uh, and four or six or something like that. We're like second or third best record in the league and we know about it. So home crowd will always come into play, you know, support, the energy and everything comes into play. Um before I even move away from the NBA, the reason I'm going to say is that you don't have to blame the Lakers for anything because I think we probably talk about that next week as we elaborate more on the finals. Um, element on the final notes, the, the man that calls himself the god. Himself has retired. Zlatan Ramuj has retired. Played for multiple clubs from Ajax, Malmo, Juventus, Inter, AC, Barcelona, Real Madrid. I said Real Madrid, uh, Man United, PSG. Like the best of the best of clubs. Yeah, no Champions League title, but he was still good as an all-time great. And even at the age of 35, he still showed up Man United and delivered and all those things. So at the end of the day, if you look back at it, Zlatan will be remembered as one of the greats that we ever saw. Yeah, on that, I think that is that is um at this point it will not be far fetched to say that is an established fact. And I would also like to point out the fact that they don't make footballers the way they make them in the era like Zlatan's era again. Like now, as Eddie Nazard is how old is Eddie Nazard? And for the past three years, I think yeah, I think so thereabouts. In the past three years, he has been a shadow of himself, like like I barely like whenever I reminisce his performance in Chelsea, I'm like, what really happened to Eden Hazard? And that has become a trend. Even with the advancement of um, technology, healthcare and all of that, it almost seems like players' health, ability and peak is beginning, is, has been reclining, it has been declining at a very sharp rate. So it's the fact that his longevity, his ability, adversity, his, his, his skill, and his technicality on the ball, he has proved himself. I I, I don't think um would mention great strikers and not mention Zlatan Ibrahimovic. The same way uh, Buffon would also come into the conversation, even though he's without a Champions League. So it, it was a very good career, and I loved the fact that he left on the eye. Uh, it, wow. It's been a bumper, a bumper, bumper episode. A very lengthy one as well. Like shout out to Zlatan for all his funny quotes and the influence he has had in football. But at the end of the day, we look back at it and said, okay, maybe I could have touched the Messi Ronaldo actually on a bit, or he probably made the best out of whatever it is that he had. I think he, I think he did. I don't think he needed to touch the Messi Ronaldo actually was not many players would get to that level. And since the career Zlatan had very much accomplished and 
I don't know after, if I said it before that if Zata was not as open mouthed as he was and he didn't say um he didn't come out with those quotes. A lot of us were actually thinking it's underrated. Because given what he's done in his career and the longevity and all. So I think yeah, again, yeah, maybe we would have liked to have moved one because he even got in like stronger ballon d'or nomination, but not many, not many careers in footballers are like. I don't think even two percent of footballers overall who have this kind of careers as like I've had. Not even not just the success, but the fact that because you're your forty-one, like he came back, he won the he won the league title with Milan, then he left and came back and he won it again. Like the way the talisman, our talismanic is as well, and players are talking about how we are influenced in dressing room. So there are many aspects in which Zlatan is incredibly underrated, like where other players, other players won't even compare. So I don't think like hard talking to for his fantastic career. Um, I think it's on that note. I think we're allowed to call it a night. Thank you so much to our um, audience for being here. Abdis, for listeners who are always following us as we try to transition from the audio to the video aspect of this and give you more content on YouTube and stuff like that. We hope you guys continue to enjoy most of this content that LMH and Bodish are bringing themselves to do. It would be nice to leave those two on a particular episode one day and just go and let them drag themselves out without any moderation or control. So that was that, that one is an interesting word. Um, Kule, thank you so much for being here. Until next week, hopefully in a more visual manner. Please enjoy the rest of your week, everybody. Good night, guys. Okay. Cheers.